I'd like to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of John. We're going to be reading from chapter 13, uh, verse 17. John chapter 13, verse 17. We just studied that this week in our Bible study group, didn't we? <laughs> now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Pastor Stan will now bring us God's message, Reliving the Upper Room with Jesus. I want to take you back to that time when Jesus met with his disciples in that upper room to celebrate that first uh, foot washing and communion service, the Lord's Supper. Just a few quiet hours remained for Jesus, and he wanted to spend some time. Um, yeah, we have these little notes if you want, if you didn't get them. <clears throat> she gave her own notes away. That's what a good hostess does. So there was just a few hours that remained, and he wanted to spend them with his disciples. <clears throat> he knew that he would be deserted. He knew that he would be betrayed. Now put yourself in that frame of mind. He knew that he would be deserted. He knew he would be betrayed. And yet he wanted to spend that time with his disciples. He knew that what he did for them in a lot of ways would be in vain. He did not think of himself. His care for them was uppermost in his mind. He had much to tell them. But even with all of that, he knew that they couldn't hear what he had to tell them. Can you imagine a Lord going to his death knowing all of that? In the... Uh, Lord's Supper and in the foot washing ceremony, uh, rank meant everything to the Pharisees. Rank was determined by one's learning and one's age. Position, achievement, and personal actualization could only come late in life. And Jesus was modeling an entirely different system. Rank based on one thing. Service. Rank based solely on service. Personal value was based on how little one became for the sake of others. Quite a remarkable change as he sat down with those disciples and what was on their mind? Who was going to be first? And Jesus said, I will be the last. And he was going to die for them. The greatest servant of all is Jesus. And he is establishing the most central tenet of Christianity, which is service. I'm afraid that we lose that so easily in our lives. And we forget who Jesus was. And that's the reason why we have a service like this to bring us back to those roots so that we will not forget that the least becomes the great and the great becomes the least. He had been with them for three years, but when they sat at the table, you can see the little chart there, when they sat at the table, there was one person that pushed his way in to be in first place. 
immediately to Jesus' left side here. And that was who? Judas. He made sure that he was in rank. He had already initiated the conversations with the high priest that would betray Jesus. And yet he wanted to be sitting right next to him as supposedly his greatest and most important disciple. John took the position to the right and uh, a servant's position. And Peter, the end of the table on the other side, as you can see. There were two washings that were connected with the normal Paschal Supper ritual. There was a hand washing at the head, uh, by the head of the company who immediately rose after the first cup to engage in a ceremonial cleansing through the washing of his hands. A second washing took place immediately after the actual eating of the lamb. And Jesus stood up, they thought, to perform that kind of a washing. And what Jesus did instead was to do what was not done when they entered the room where they had a slave, a servant, garbed in servants' clothes, would wash their feet. The master washing the feet of those that would betray him while they pledged that nothing could ever cause them to do that. And he knew it all. The pitcher, the basin, and the towel were there, but they were just ignored. Everybody wondered why there wasn't a servant and why there wasn't one of the disciples that came forward. But not them. Not them. Not each one individually. No. They manifested a stoical unconcern, seeming unconscious that there was anything for them to do. And then in silence they watched Jesus stand up and gird himself with a servant's garments and began to wash their feet. Jesus was thinking in his heart, how am I going to kindle love in their hearts to enable them to comprehend what my ministry was all about? And this is the way he did it. There was um, no interest on their part, but when he stood and began to approach them to wash their feet, they were amazed. They felt suddenly a bitter shame upon them. They understood that Jesus doing this was actually a rebuke to them, for they were not willing to wash each other's feet. He, the master, was willing to wash theirs, even the feet of the man who he knew would betray him. Before the Passover, as I already said, Judas had met for the second time. He had closed the contract to deliver Jesus into their hands. But when he saw Jesus clothed as a servant and washing the disciples' feet, what effect did that have upon Judas? Was he humbled? Was he repentant for the pride in his heart? No, he was hardened. In his mind, he says, this proves it. He could not be the Messiah. The Messiah would never do this. And so the very act that Jesus was performing to show the nature of his kingdom 
was the act that turned Judas's heart like cold steel against him. And he was so busy in his own thoughts around the table, watching what was taking place, shocked, ashamed of Jesus. He heard the words, This do in remembrance of me. And he brooded over his dark purposes. He was the one, none of the rest knew, that he had revengeful, sullen thoughts about Jesus. And then the words came from Jesus, Ye are not all clean. These words convinced the false disciple that Jesus read the secret purpose of his heart. Now Christ spoke out more plainly. And as they were seated at the table, he said, looking upon his disciples, I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Jesus said, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. As they realized the importance of his words and remembered how true his sayings were, fear and self-distrust seized upon each one of the disciples, and they began to search their own hearts to see if maybe by one thought or one thing in their mind that they had harbored against their master evil will. With the most painful emotion, one after another inquired, Lord, is it I? Judas remained silent. John, sitting right next to Jesus on the other side or Jesus, from Judas, in deep distress, turned and looked into the eyes of his Savior and said, Lord, who is it? And Jesus said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. All the disciples had asked, Is it I? John had asked, Who is it? Nobody had heard from Judas. All eyes were upon him. Amid the confusion and the questions, expressions of astonishment, Judas had not heard the words of Jesus in reply to John's question. But now to escape the scrutiny of the disciples, Master, is it I? And Jesus simply said, Thou hast said. In surprise and confusion at the exposure of his purpose, Judas immediately arose hastily to leave the room. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. Although surprised and alarmed at the discovery of his guilt, Judas became all the more determined to carry out his scheme. Though Jesus knew Judas from the beginning, he washed his feet. And the betrayer was privileged to unite with Christ in partaking of the sacrament. A long-suffering Savior 
held out every inducement for the sinner to receive him, to repent and to be cleansed from the defilement of his own sin. This example is for us. When we suppose one to be an heir in sin, we are not to divorce ourselves from them. By no careless separation are we to leave him prey to temptation or drive him upon Satan's battleground. This is not Christ's method. Jesus came to save sinners. Paul said, of whom I am the uppermost. God has not left it with men to say who shall present themselves on such occasions as this today. For we can, who can read the heart? Who can distinguish the tear, the tears from the wheat? Well, this is a service that Jesus um, asks us to do in honor and remembrance of him. The Sabbath is another. He's asked very little of us, really. But he doesn't want us to forget this sad story and this glorious story of how what he provides and what he does. And so, to begin, we are going to separate and have the foot washing ceremony now. And the uh, gentlemen, I know, go to the social hall, and the ladies go where? To the youth room. Okay. Which is down that way and then all the way down that way. And so please uh, participate, those of you who choose to remain can do so right here in the sanctuary, and in a little while we'll all be back to join you and partake of the emblems. Um, there's this quote from Desire of Ages, one of my favorite books. It is at these, his own appointments, that Christ meets his people and energizes them by his presence. Hearts and hands that are unworthy may even administer the ordinance, yet Christ is there to minister to his children. All who come with their faith fixed upon him will be greatly blessed. All who neglect these seasons of divine privilege will suffer loss. Of them it may appropriately be said, ye are not all clean. Pretty powerful statement, isn't it? And then, continuing on in the same book, when the nations are gathered before him, there will be but two classes, and their eternal destiny will be determined by what they have done or have neglected to do for him in the person of the poor and the suffering. Jesus is really concerned about this. He really wants us to take care of those who seemingly are the least. That's very appropriate in our country today. In that day, Christ does not present before men the great work he has done for them in giving his life for their redemption. Did you hear that? He does not present his merits. He presents the faithful work that they have done for him. To those whom he sets up, or excuse me, for those whom he sets upon his right hand, he will say, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was a hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in, naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. 
But those whom Christ commends know not that they have been ministering unto him. And to their perplexed inquiries he answers, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. What a marvelous Savior we have. And what a powerful example he sets before us. And so, really, at communion time, the Lord's Supper, the church should be absolutely packed, shouldn't it? As people realize what a wonderful gift and how wonderfully gracious our Lord is. We have gathered at the table today to partake. Jonathan, I'd like to have you have our prayer for both the wine and the grape juice. Let's kneel, those who can. Father in heaven, we just want to praise you and thank you for the gift of your love, for loving us so much that you were willing to send Jesus here to die for each one of us. We want to praise you and thank you, dear Jesus, for your willingness to come and lay down your life for us. We ask for your blessing on the emblems of your broken body and the blood that was spilled for our sins. Lord, please help each one of us to, to really give ourselves to you, Lord, more fully. That the work that you've begun in us, you'll be able to complete soon and, and that you will be able to take us home with you as you promised. And not just us, we pray for, but for all of our loved ones and those in the community here that you would please empower us through your Holy Spirit to be able to reach out to them for your kingdom as well. We ask these things and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we um, washed feet over at the social hall with the gentleman, I just have to tell on Landon. He sat right down on the ground, on the, on the ground of the social hall, and washed Jonathan's feet. And I remember it wasn't that long ago, it was the first time he, he did something like that. And, and I, I see little Richie, you know, and, and I'm sure it happens with the ladies as well over on the side, where you see the young people are, uh, are learning the value of what this service teaches, and it's being part of being bred in them now. And I just think that's wonderful. I think it's thrilling. Don't you love it? I can see the smiles on your face. Yeah, it's wonderful. Has everybody been served? It's our privilege, because Jesus loved us so much that he died for us, to never forget that fact and to remember that our Savior says he wants to live inside us. And this symbol represents all that that means. So take it joyfully and cheerfully because there's cleansing in this little wafer because of faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, clean us all. Lord, live in us more and more all the time. And then in this little glass, there is grape juice. represented the blood of Jesus Christ. It doesn't have to be his real blood, but it represents that blood. 
and by faith. The amazing thing about it, faith makes things real. The cleansing blood of Jesus, take it in. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did. Thank you for your great grace. In that time when you needed support the most, you didn't have it, but you gave anyway. We realize that we're going to be tested in the same way. May our faith in you be strengthened for that test. Thank you for being our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now may God bless and keep you as you go from this house of worship today. May he give you the grace that you need for everything that you face in this coming week. And may the Lord give you eyes to see individuals that maybe you haven't seen before that the Holy Spirit tells you, make that person your friend. And so the Lord can open up the opportunity to fill the house of God with more joy. He's coming soon, folks. I think he's really coming soon. Now, Lord, may your spirit reside in us. May people see Jesus inside of us. May we forget ourselves and be absorbed in you. Thank you for this service and all that we have learned today and the commitments that we have made to one another and to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.